You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 rolling on here. I'm Patrick Dumas. I got Alex Brody along with me as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed that Impossible Flames trivia. It is impossible. Nobody got it. Um, I don't know if Brad Curl heard uh, the question. I don't know if he was listening, but Brad, I'm going to tell you, what do Eric Gabranson, Martin St. Louis, and Noah Hannafin all have in common? Born in Canada. <laughs> Hannafin's American. I know, I know. Yeah. I, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. Nobody did. It, it was so random. It was They were all born in years that the Flames missed the playoffs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> did you sleep, just stay up at night trying to torment people? This, this, it was George. It was totally George. That was what he wanted to do. And I'm like, I couldn't even give him an answer because I was like, what? But yeah, that's wow. that's that's uh, that's how somebody got some tickets and nobody got it. So we got to pick a random winner. <laughs> Love it. I, the, well, it's better than the low-hanging fruit. You know, oh, like the easy the ones. Where they... the Stanley Cup. Like, yeah. you know, don't go there. Got to make it tough. Yeah, and exactly. With St. Louis born, born in 75, it's they were in Atlanta then. Oh, geez. Well, that definitely, yeah, that's even more difficult. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the club that you know well. Uh, nah, things aren't well right now. Three wins in their last 22 Coming off a super tough weekend, that late loss against Lethbridge and then the shootout against Kelowna. Uh, talk about the weekend that was. Well, the weekend that was was one of, you kind of look at the schedule, and, and I know that things haven't come easy for this Hitman group as of late, as you mentioned, and there's a whole host of reasons for that, one of being the injured yeah. list. Well, there was excitement going into the weekend because two players that were on that injured list for a significant amount of time were finally returning to the lineup. And I speak of Graydon Seatman, you know, their most offensive defenseman who had missed the previous seven games with an upper body injury. And also Carter McAdams came Mm -hmm. over in the trade with the Prince George Cougars back in January, had missed the previous 15 games. So you get two players back and there's that sense of, okay, finally there's a, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel with this team that has missed four of their top 10 scores for a significant amount of time. Uh, since, uh, you know, the calendar flipped into 2023. So going in, you thought, okay, here we go. There'll be some opportunity, but Calgary did not start well. Uh, and, and some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, give credit to Lethbridge. You know, they jumped on the Hitman a minute 48 in. Calgary loses coverage in the D zone. The left shot defenseman is wide open, and all of a sudden you, you kind of go into the, the weekend going, okay, players are back, here we go. And then you're looking at the scoreboard, you're down one nothing. Then Calgary gets a power play, and their power play's been – Real good as of late, but it gives up a shorthanded goal and you're down two to nothing and then you're chasing the game. Now, to the Hitman credit, they battled back, able to tie it up in the third period. But I think, Patrick, where this group has been a little fragile as of late, and you mentioned just two wins in their last 22 games, it'll kind of test you a little bit. Um, I guess two wins in their last 20 games, pardon me. You almost wait for something bad to happen, Mm -hmm. and I thought that's the way it had happened. They kind of sagged back a little bit going, okay, We'll, we'll just get a point here. See if we can get it to overtime. They lose coverage on a player in front of their own net. Logan Wormold scores with 2.12 to go, and the Hurricanes go up 4-3, and the Hitman just could not answer. And then a similar game against the Colorado Rockets um, the next day on Sunday. You know, you give up an early goal. This time you take an early penalty, and mm-hmm. Colorado's got a power play in 2.02 in. You're down one nothing. Then it's 2 nothing. eight minutes in, in the same situation. You're chasing the game. But, again, similar to the Lethbridge affair, they battled back. They tied it up. Uh, midway through the third period, Riley Fiddler Schultz gets his 26th of the year. This time, they don't give up the late goal, uh, and they get it to overtime. But this Hitman team in overtime this year, uh, they don't score a lot of goals. Uh, goals come difficult for this group. So you get beyond 60 minutes. They've just won 
three of those 11 games scoreless in overtime. They go to the shootout. Adam Crystal or Andrew Crystal, mm-hmm. pardon me, expected to be a first round pick in the NHL draft scores, the only goal of the shootout for the Kelowna Rockets and the Hitman who head into the weekend. I think with a lot of optimism going, okay, we get some players back, maybe we get some points. They got one of a possible four, but um, you know, to their credit, able to come back twice in hockey games. They need better starts moving forward. Yeah, you talk about the slow starts. They've only got the opening goal in, I believe, six times uh, since this. They've gone into this skid. Uh, we, we talk about just in, like, is there? There's not much you can do, really. You get the first goal, it's great, and then you got to hold on. But getting that first goal is such a big task for this group, especially with as Steve Hamilton said uh, on the weekend, is like they don't have a superstar. They don't have a guy that can go get them ninety to hundred points. They they have to win by through committee. They certainly do, and, and, you know, puts a lot of pressure on that committee. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, fans of the city, great followers of the Flames, and, and to an extent the Hitmen as well, but it's eerily similar yeah. to how these two teams have played. And I'll look at it this way, because I was looking at it this morning. Okay, take the Calgary Flames, for example. What do the Flames do? They're one of the better shot teams in the National Hockey League. Number two in the NHL in shots four per game at 35. What do the Calgary Hitmen do? Great in the shot clock as well. They average just over 35 shots a game. They're number four. So you got the Flames at number two, the Hitmen at number four in shot volume. You're thinking that's going to translate onto the scoreboard. Where are the Flames in goals for? 15th. Where are the Calgary Hitmen in goals for? 14th. So that's a real representation of how both of these teams generate a lot of chances but don't have a ton of finish. And the Calgary Flames have three of the top 94 scorers in the NHL into Foley, Lindholm, and Kadri. The Calgary Hitman, three of the top 95 scorers in the oh, WHL. Cryptic. In Riley, Fiddler, Schultz, Oliver Talk, and Sean Chagall. So two teams that generate a lot, but some nights you're left going, okay, the shot clock says 35. How many of those were high danger? And when you get chasing games like the Calgary Hitman have done, a lot in this stretch because you're missing some key offensive weapons as well. And four of your top 10 scores that have been out and Jacob Wright and Carter McAdams and Graydon Seatman and Carson Wetch. Uh, when you get behind, it puts an awful lot of pressure on everybody else. And, and sometimes as a group, you get that mentality, well, we're down one. We got to go yeah. get another one. We got to tie the game. And what do you do instead of play sound defense and wait for your chance to materialize? You, you push it up the ice and you make a mistake and that scoreboard goes from one nothing to down 2 nothing, and then you're chasing a bigger hole. So uh, for the Hitmen, I, I like the way they played through all of this and I think the coaching staff gets mm-hmm. a ton of credit because I've been around this group for a, a long time under the current coaching staff. This is now five years for Steve Hamilton and I think he does a magnificent job. How many of us have picked up a golf club and go and you have a hole that just blows up on you yep. and you go to the next tee box and you're still thinking about it? everyone's hardest job is to erase what just happened and look at what's moving forward. And I think this coaching staff does a great job of regardless of what has happened, you can't control that. What can you control? And they've had short memories. Uh, the only way out of this is to work your way out of it. The Hitman, I think have made some strides. Um, and the, the, the fact that all of this has kind of caved in on them here since January, they fought off a lot of adversity. Guys, if the playoffs started today, they'd be in. Yeah, They're one point better than the Swift Current Broncos. So as much doom and gloom that hovers over the franchise and their performance as of late, there's still every reason in the world. So if I said to you, hey, when the season began, 10 games left, you got a one-point lead for a playoff spot, you think, all right, put on the skates, let's go get it. Yeah, that's some good motivation for sure, and that's 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 on the coaching staff too to get these guys like, hey, there's this is not over. There's ten games left here. Uh, it's obviously a tall task trying to keep this group loose. Uh, 
and somehow find a way, you know, back over the final 10, he can't be in the most envious of positions right now, eh? No, no. And it, it's, a, it's a situation where they kind of control themselves a little bit because the team they're fighting primarily for, for that eighth and final playoff spot right now, is the Swift Current Broncos. Mm-hmm. Who's their next game against? Swift the Current. Swift Current Broncos. Who are they two points behind if they want to move up in the standings? The Medicine Hat Tigers. They have two games left with Medicine Hat. So you're, you're still very much at that uh, juncture, Patrick, where yeah. you can look at it and go, okay, we still control our fate to a great extent. You've also got two games left with a non-playoff team in the Edmonton Oil Kings. So their schedule um, lightens up a little bit. And that's been one of the factors as part of this. You know, you always want your injuries to happen when you've got a light part of your schedule, when maybe you only play one or two games a week. Mm-hmm. But their injuries have happened when they've had to play four games a week, four games in six nights. It's been a lot of hockey since the early part of January. Well, they played last Sunday. They don't play again until this coming Sunday, and then they don't play again until the following weekend when they go home and home with Red Deer. So this is the part of the schedule where you finally get a chance to rest the body. Hopefully they'll be able to get some people back. You know, the ironic part of it is is those two players returned about Carter McAdams and Graydon Seatman that we talk about, but then they lost Maxime Moranoff to an injury in the game before. So you're just going, you're kind of looking to the heavens going, okay, enough already. Uh, you know, make mm. it stop, make it stop. It's <laughs> kind of like a farmer in the field begging for rain. And then yep. you get six inches of rain and going, okay, I wanted rain, but I don't want to flood. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's happened for the hitman. Uh, so you, the, 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 do you think that over the three games over the next 12 days, could, like you said, that could be their advantage, getting more into the practice rink, working more on the fundamentals, the simpler thing, and maybe even getting away from the rink a bit to just realize, hey, you know what, it, 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 we have to lighten up a little bit a bit here. Like the 3-22, and 22, like obviously, it, 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 you know, have a bad losing streak here, but this is more of a trend. Do you think this break here could prove to their advantage like you said, with them getting injured and just maybe just more practice time and also giving away from the ring. I agree with all those things. You know, what, what do we all do? We get worn out. It doesn't matter how much you love your job. If the job starts to consume mm-hmm. you, it wears you down. And when you're at the rink and you've got a practice play, practice play, it's nice to mix some days, in, days off every now and then and kind of realize, hey, there's more to life. And it kind of rejuvenates you. You know, you think of any kind of a break that, that any of us have had. You know, you take that one week off on vacation, you come back and you feel excited again. And mm-hmm. I think for Calgary, you know, they have to look at that, that picture going, hey, we have a tremendous opportunity in front of us. We still control our own fate. Ten games left means there's 20 points on the table. I'm willing to say even if they can go 500, they give themselves a good shot to get into the playoffs here. So, But I think this group, you know, we've seen uh, throughout the course of the year, Patrick, they can hang with the big dogs. Oh, yeah. Who's the number one team in the, in the, in the WHL right now? The Winnipeg Ice. Mm-hmm. Calgary has taken them to overtime, and they've had another one-goal loss. Who's number two? Seattle. Calgary went into Seattle and beat the Thunderbirds. So they've had success against teams above them in the standings when they've got all pieces on the, on the, on the table. And that's been the hard part right now is the adjustments they've had to make. You know, they've got an affiliate player, Chase Valiant, playing on their fourth line. It's not his full-time team. They've yeah. got a defenseman playing on the fourth line as well as Wojtek Husinecki. Just the injuries have really tested their depth. And to Steve Hamilton's point, this is a team that's not overly deep in scoring to begin with. So when you peel some of the layers off that onion and ask to go with a smaller onion to the food table, you're not going to have as much onion flavor because there's not as many pieces to pull from. So uh, I think getting away for a while just kind of gets some of that recharge. And I'm excited to see what they can do, but there's no question about it. You can circle it this coming Sunday against the uh, Swift Current Broncos will be their biggest game of the year. There's no question about it. We're talking with Brad Curl. 
Calgary Hitman play-by-play here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Brad, uh, Braden Peters, man, overager. This guy's done, he's, you know, when you think of the Hitman, especially when, you know, he's been around the longest. He's been through it all here. Talk about, even you'd even throw Ethan Bonaventura into that. The goaltending has not been the problem on most of these nights. No, Braden Peters has had a remarkable season. There's no question about it. And I think any time in the WHL you can have a safe percentage over 900, yep. you give yourself a, a team a chance to win. And Peters' last two years, like last season, a 298 goals against average, a 906 safe percentage. This year, a 291 goals against average, a 905 safe percentage. Uh, and, and you look at the record books, only Chris Drieger has more saves in franchise wow. history than Braden Peters does. <laughs> So and and that's a special category. He yeah. passed Martin Jones here most recently, and and that's that's real special when you figure the fact that he had that COVID shortened season when he could only play 13 games yeah. for Peters and didn't make the team really as a 16 year old. So uh, he's he's given them every opportunity to win uh, when he's in the net most nights, and that's all you could ask as a goaltender. And Ethan Buonaventura, you know, he, he's kind of looking at it, going, "Hey, I know next year I'm going to be the guy. This is really a big year for him to show the coaching staff that." Hey, when Peters graduates next year, there's going to be a number one spot available, and I want that job. And for Bonaventura, uh, you know, for him, you've kind of in his second season, you've seen a little bit of, you know, some inconsistencies. I know on that Saskatchewan road trip earlier on in the year, he was the first star almost every single night. He was unbelievable. But he's he's been also thrown into the battle against some of the superpowers of the league. You know, mm-hmm. he was in net against Kamloops. Yep. Faces 50 shots, makes 46 saves. He was a net against Saskatoon, faces 45 <laughs> shots, makes 42 saves. He was a net against Prince George, faces 51 shots, makes 45 saves. So he seems to get the ones on the bingo card where, hey, you got to go in there. You're probably going to get shelled tonight. Do your best, see what you can do. But it's great for development. It'll test you a little bit as a, as a goaltender, knowing that, hey, I might give up four, but I might be the best player on the ice. And there was a game earlier this year in Winnipeg where, Everybody in the building that came up to me after the game said, boy, I know the, the, the Winnipeg Ice scored a ton of goals tonight, but I thought your best player was your goaltender. And it's one of those situations where uh, it's a development league. All of these players that are play want to get to pro hockey. And, you know, for Calgary, they pretty much split those two right down the middle. There was one juncture this year, about three weeks ago, where their minutes played was only three minutes apart. So <laughs> uh, you can't ask for a bigger tandem that they have right now in Buonaventura and Peters. They pretty much split the net. Um. Talk about Tyson Galloway. He's the uh, one of two uh, current hitmen that have uh, that been drafted into the NHL. Of course, he was a St. Louis Blue draft pick back in 2021. Uh, it's been a little bit of a disappointing year for him this year, you think? Well, it's it's interesting because you, you look at Tyson Galloway and, and you look at his his physicality. Six foot four, two hundred and five pounds. He's an outstanding skater. You can see why NHL clubs had an interest in him and why the Blues did use that fifth round pick in him in 2021. He was never a big scoring defenseman back in his day in minor hockey. And I think that's a lot of the, you think as players age and mature, you think, okay, that that defenseman's then going to become the number one quarterback on the power play. That's not necessarily the the, the blueprint for one, you know, Tyson Galloway. He reminds me a little bit of of Carl Alsner in the sense that he stays with a Calgary hitman in the sense that he's just your steady Eddie defenseman that's going to make a good first pass, play sound defensive hockey. He's not going to find his name all over the score sheet. But at the end of the night, you're going to get 25 minutes out of him, and you're going to be pleased with the minutes you see. Mm-hmm. And for Galloway this year, he's come in, and, and I think he's done that. You know, his play has been, uh, you know, I think 
as good as, as you could ask. You know, there's some question around the, whether the St. Louis Blues will sign him. They have not yet. They will have that decision to make uh, in the next few months to make that call. If he doesn't sign with St. Louis, there's a good chance that he'll be back next year as a 20-year-old with a Calgary Hitman. And we've seen a lot of defensemen, uh, you know, go through and then get signed as 20-year-olds. Yep. So Galloway still has the... You know, this isn't a make-or-break year for him, but it's a big one in terms of whether or not St. Louis decides to sign him. He's been asked to, to play a lot of tough minutes as well. He plays with the top pair. He's always matched against the opposition's number one players. Mm-hmm. And for a team that doesn't score a lot of goals, he's pretty much an even hockey player this year. Doesn't play a lot of power play time. He's on the second unit. I think Galloway's had a, had a real solid season. I, I wouldn't say it's his, you know, his best season of junior hockey, but I'd say it's it's definitely one where the St. Louis Blues staff are going to have to sit down and go, okay, what, what, what do we think about Tyson Galloway moving forward here? Is he a part of our program or not? But he's a wonderful kid. Um, he's, he's as reliable as the day is long. I think his passing game is underrated. Uh, I'd go to battle any single night with Tyson Galloway on my blue line. Now, Brad, we know it, it, we still, there's still 10 games left. There's still, obviously, playoffs down the line. But, you know, like obviously we all know junior hockey is a very uh, cyclical-type sport. You know, there's, you're, uh, you're at the top for three years, and you win your Memorial Cup, or you get to the Memorial Cup, you're right back down. Just look at the Oil Kings this year. They've, they graduated a lot of guys. Where are we at with the Hitman's developmental cycle? I know the, the, the bubble, the year that got canceled, like they were just as the pandemic was starting, that was a good group. And then they had to go play the bubble season as well. Did that really mess with, with how the Hitman's development train wanted to go? Or is it just like this was kind of how they were expected to be? No, I think that's a fair statement. I think the year that you know that COVID canceled the WHL playoffs mm-hmm. um, was definitely it was it was a big year for Calgary. You look at that roster, and it was littered with talented players and Riley Stotts and Carson Folk and Josh Prokop and Mark Kastelik and Yegor Zamula and Jet Wu and Dakota Krebs. We could go on and down the line. I mean, and they were they were a bona fide contender, and they'd come off that playoff upset of the Lethbridge Hurricanes the year before in mm-hmm. 2019 and got their feet wet. And you thought okay, they've got a chance to do something special this year. And then, you know, they got wiped out. And, you know, you look at the, one of the trades they made that year was to go get Jet Wu. Well, what do they give up? They give up a first-round pick along with Ryder Korzak. And if you knew that that year was going to be canceled, you wouldn't have made that trade. Yeah. What does Ryder Korzak turn into? One of the top scorers in the WHL. He's a, an elite player with the Moose Jaw Warriors. And that first-round pick, all uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors used that on Denton Matejchuk, who is now a first-round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You got to give to get. Calgary gave, um, and, and anticipating and an, you know a lengthy playoff run didn't happen. And then the COVID year happened. I think it really stunted a lot of these 17, 18-year-old players in the WHL. Yeah. So much of your 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 development comes with reps. Well, you look at well these two Tyson Galloway as an example. You mm-hmm. played 17 games as a 17-year-old, you know, that hurts your development. And I, I know I talk to a lot of people around hockey and go, we'll have to wait and see in two or three years' time when some of these players that, you know, are now draft eligible that kind of missed a whole season of minor hockey. Remember the Ontario Hockey League never even played a single game. They were able, unable to get through the COVID situation. The yeah. WHL was able to play interprovincially or within the province, sorry, and make it work, and there were hub centres. But the development definitely made a factor but for calgary their young core is the exciting part of this group i think moving forward you've got carter yakimchuk a 17 year old defenseman he's got 14 goals you have to go back to travis sanheim and jake bean many years ago since you found a hitman defenseman with that many goals you've got david adazinski uh who's a 17 year old he's got 12 goals 
Oliver Talk, a 17-year-old, has 21 goals. Uh, you know, Carson Wetch was having a brilliant rookie season until he got hurt. I think there's a real, real strong cast around the 16- and 17-year-old members of this club. So I think that this Calgary Hitman team is heading in the right direction. Hey, let's be honest. If they get into the playoffs this year, there's going to be no easy round. There's some real good teams at the top. But I think this franchise is set up very well moving forward beyond this year. Yeah, I know just getting in does a lot just for experience. You get your four, five, six games, whatever it is, against the Winnipeg Ice, and who knows, whatever. It's just all about getting experience at this time of year. Uh, one more with you, Brad. Uh, Hitman Zoo game. I heard about that March 15th against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. What's that all about? The Hitman Zoo game? I'm not familiar with oh, were doing like I thought they were doing, like, they were doing a, a zoo, something with the Calgary Zoo. Maybe it was. Maybe I mistaken. Maybe I'm my bad. I thought there was the Hitman were doing something with the Calgary Zoo. Well, they, they may very well be, um, but I can tell you they are going to honor their namesake of their franchise ah, coming okay. up on March 11th. Okay, and that's the Bret Hart game. And I don't, I don't know how much of, uh, of that you have heard, but I can tell you this: the as very much like the Calgary Flames, they have the Forever uh, program. Yeah, you know, Forever a Flame. The Calgary Hitmen have a Forever a Hitman program, and um, you know the inductees so far have included Ryan Getzlaff and Andrew Ladd and Kelly Kissio, who is a longtime executive. There's only one retired Calgary Hitman number, Brad Moran, but um, Brett the Hitman Hart will become the fourth inductee into the Forever a Hitman program coming up on Saturday, March 11th. And I think it's a real cool one, Patrick, because he gets honored before the game. A banner will go to the rafters Mm -hmm. to honor the namesake of the franchise. Of course, Brett Hart, uh, well-known in the wrestling world, but also was a a part owner of the Calgary Hitman franchise back in the Joe Sackick and Theo Fleury. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you betcha. So the players are going to wear a specially designed jersey to reflect their namesake, while fans will also be treated to post-game on-ice wrestling presented yes. by Dungeon Wrestling. So come watch Bret Hart get honored before the game. A banner will go up in his honor uh, for the namesake of the franchise, and then a nice little tribute. There will be some on-ice wrestling. Now, they're going to bring a ring onto the ice. They're not going to actually wrestle on the on the, on the ice. <laughs> That would be that would be horrible. I don't yeah. know who would sign up for that, but yeah, they're going to bring out a wrestling ring and off the top ropes they'll go. It'll be a lot of fun again. Dungeon wrestling will put that show on. It'll be Brett, the Hitman Heart game, and a special tribute for him coming up on March 11th. Cannot wait for that one. I'll definitely try and get to that one because I do love uh, what uh, what it, what his kid has done for uh, for dungeon wrestling and this and trying to grow wrestling back in the city. And obviously, we know what Bret Hart does. Uh, did for the Calgary Hitman and what he still means to this city. Thank you very much for this, Brad. Yeah, indeed. Yes, thank you very much. We'll, we will uh, chat at you soon here, I'm sure, before the season's up. Sounds good. Take care. Have a great snowy day. Yeah, you too. Take care out there. Thanks. Bye. There you go. That's Brad Curl, Hitman play-by-play voice. I don't know where I heard that Hitman Zoo game. I don't know. I was on the radio. I was like, somebody's doing it with the zoo. I don't know if it was a Hitman or the Wranglers. I don't know. Maybe it was just mistaken. But, yes, the Bret Hart game coming up on March 11th. Uh, that's probably better than the Calgary Zoo game, I guess. Uh, <laughs> either way, yeah. Hitman uh, will be taking on the, uh, you know, let's find here the Hitman schedule as I try to find out with the plan here. March 11th, March 11th, March 11th. They are playing the Red Deer Rebels 2 p.m. down at the Dome. Obviously, it's a rivalry game, and obviously what PWA Dungeon Wrestling has done. It's awesome, awesome to see. Uh, around the break, we'll we'll talk to David Pagnotta. He spoke with George and Matt earlier on. Uh, trade deadline just three days away. That's next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.